On this week's episode, could Halloween Kills kill off Michael Myers? Ghosts is scaring up huge laughs on CBS. And how many walls is She-Hulk breaking through in her finale? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all the great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Vampires and Vitae, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Ooh, it's that time of the year for all the <laughs> witches and vampires. That's right. Plus anything that you do, you plus anything that you can do to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer out there on Facebook, Meta, or whatever Zuckerberg wants to call it today. Plus also as well, popculturecosmos.com and all the great things that we do. So please go ahead, if you get a chance, like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to go ahead and help us out. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is our own mastermind of devilry for the (laughs) month of October. She is part of the amazing things that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, including Vampires Vitae, which you can catch right now on YouTube. Subscribe today. Also, as well, Wizards and Wind with Wild Beyond a Witchlight, also on YouTube. You can go ahead and subscribe today. Plus, also, as well, everything that she does for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, great to have you back. We're getting in the midst of October, now kind of mid-October-ish, starting to get the howls and the spooks and everything going. I I didn't even plan it like that, but our our itinerary for this week's show is a whole bunch of spooky stuff for Halloween. Go figure. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like the entertainment industry understands and follows holidays, Gerald. That's correct, but my gosh, <laughs> I know the spooky stuff is not your forte. It's not. But we're going to have to talk about some spooky stuff on today's show because, of course, Halloween Kills is going to kill it, hopefully, at the box office this weekend. Actually breaking the schneid off of a whole bunch of weeks where there's been underperforming movies. Really, the only movie that's been anywhere decent performing is smile which is actually as a low budget horror movie actually making a nice chunk of change closing in on a hundred million dollars worldwide so props to that movie but halloween kills could be the end for michael myers and also jamie lee curtis's famous character as well 
Will that be the case? We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. Plus also as well, She-Hulk season one finale. Could be season two coming up. Well, a lot of stuff was actually showcased on the season finale. In fact, since her character actually is used to breaking down the fourth wall, this episode seemed like it was the fitting end to this season. How so? Uh, We'll go ahead and talk about that as well. Plus also as well, Andor, episode six, they finally did pull off that heist of the Imperial payroll was concerned. We'll talk about how good the episode was, and if this is a good turn for Andor, that's coming up in a bit. Marvel actually moved around a quite a few movies as far as the release changes. I don't even know why they actually announced these stuff at, at D23 as far as dates, because they're always just moving around like it's like a shell game, so to speak. <laughs> we'll go ahead and talk about that as far as what is moved where, and also one of the upcoming movies that I was very hopeful for, which I know Melinda is, as well because of Vampires and Vitae. We'll talk about that movie in a lot of trouble, plus also a lot of the other movies that were moved and why it could supposedly benefit one of the biggest ones of all. That's coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, we'll be talking about Scorn, the video game, coming to Xbox and PC this weekend. We'll talk about how you can get your hands on this. And if you're really in for a bloody good time, why you maybe you should go ahead and pick up Scorn. We'll talk about that. Plus, continuing with the scary theme going on, Ghost is kicking a lot of butt on CBS. How much? We'll talk about how this is now the fastest rising comedy in all of broadcast television. We'll tell you this maybe some the some secrets, the success, and what show does this emulate? We'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, Netflix has made a major announcement on the prices for its ad-supported tier. We'll talk about how much it's going to cost you for going to dumb. Now a commercial. Now hear from our sponsors. We'll talk about that on the show, plus some other little tidbits on the back end of the show as well. But my friend, it is Halloween Kills. It's coming out this weekend at the box office. I don't think this is going to be the end of Michael Myers. I have not seen the movie yet, so I can't tell you if it is. Even if they kill him off, you know Hollywood. He's going to be rebooted or reborn in some form or fashion come 5, 10 years, 20 years down the line, just like they did this time. And also, it is a fitting end, supposedly, from what we're hearing, for Jamie Lee Curtis's famous character the the former babysitter turned very stressed out individual in this whole trilogy of movies that she's been a part of here and now also her past as well from the original halloween your thoughts on this i know this is again not your cup of tea but michael myers since this movie originally came out has become an icon of what halloween is out as far as the frights and horror end of it your thoughts on halloween kills as this movie which is supposedly supposed to end this rebooted trilogy, comes out this weekend. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the movie that's about to come out is the 13th movie in the franchise, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, my gosh, if you include the what? But this would be like the chef's kiss, poetic Mm -hmm. end. But I think that if they did decide to wrap this up, even if they were planning to just go ahead and reboot it in a couple of years, uh, doing it on the 13th film feels correct. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, I adore her and I am sad to see anything that she's in come to any kind of conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even though I'm not an avid uh, watcher of these kinds of movies, you know, I, I have caught one or two over the years. Being scared is your kind of thing. Then I can tell you that I don't think that the 13th movie in this franchise is going to let you down. Also, I have played the Friday the 13th video game many times mm-hmm. with some people and actually online. it's gotten decent reviews yeah yeah it's uh it's actually a pretty fun game and if you haven't played it you should absolutely check it out it's uh it's definitely worth the time the fun part is you play with a group of people and you never know who's going to end up playing jason jason is friday the 13th and this one's michael myers well this is his final battle with laurie strode played by jamie lee curtis because she is guaranteed yes she is done done yeah. with this series after this. Yeah, and I mean she's she's it's probably bittersweet for her just like it is for everybody else. I'm sure that the character that she has played over the years has become one that is easy for her to slip into when it's time for her to put those shoes back on so to speak. Uh-huh. I think it would be correct in a lot of different ways if the 13th film was the one that they kind of ended this chapter on and maybe in a couple of years because of course they're going to give it a reboot with a fresh take and some fresh faces. Michael Mars with a Z. How about that? <laughs> yes. It'd just be Mikey. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mikey if, this Myers. Movie, if this movie does anywhere near expected, which is expected to do right around $50 million this weekend at the box office, then I would anticipate there being a reboot of this reboot. <laughs> right. I just love saying that. It just, yeah, I just, you can call it in. You can just say it now that they're going to give it a little bit of a rest, but then do something else within this universe once again. You can just tell already. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, I don't I don't think that the public is ready for these movies to end by any means. Please don't don't think that that's what I'm trying to say. Just that I think it's a correct way for them to close the chapter on this part of the story for michael myers well god forbid they would want to end this and then start another horror ip and out of scratch that you know hopefully will go ahead and gain its own audience god forbid they would want to do that oh wait smile seemed to be work but you know they're going to do it smile one smile two smile three you know they're going to go through the gambit on that they have created something like that you know you see a new ip that they can go ahead and do horror as far as bringing something out that that's new that people kind of like. So we are going to be seeing sequels and sequels of smile now, now that we've found a formula that people like, but with Halloween, if like you said, the 13th would be great to go ahead and end that one, but you know, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, probably not. But you know, if, if they just decided to close a chapter, perhaps this could be the end of the 13 movie chapter and then they could start something fresh here in a couple of years. Also, I wonder if they did decide to kind of do a reboot and, and try to take a fresh take on it. I wonder if they would change the approach to the films and if, if it would become something more along the lines of uh, like a squid game in terms of uh, just like gratuitous violence and gore. I wonder if that's what it would become and not so much leaning into uh, from the couple of movies that I've watched, again, I'm coming from that place where it seems to be a lot more dependent on a whole lot of uh, like suspense. And mm-hmm. is he behind the door? Is he not behind the door? I'm pretty sure I just saw him. Did you see that? You know, all of that kind of stuff. 
Now it was Jason Voorhees, both in space and in New York. I blew it. I blew it. So, my gosh, I got my uh, murderers uh, on film mixed up, on celluloid killers mixed oh, up. Man. I, yes. Uh, how how dare that? you, sir? Oh, my gosh. I've got Jason probably on the left, right behind me, ready to slash me. And then I've got Michael Myers, right, ready to put a hatchet in my back, right there on the right. Oh, great. Oh, I'm doomed. But before I go, before I die, yeah, I want to just make sure that everybody knows that <laughs> Halloween Kills is debuting at the theaters. But if you have thoughts on Halloween Kills and the possible end of Michael Myers, we already know Jamie Lee Curtis's end is with this film. Could it be the end for Michael Myers? Please let us know your thoughts if you like or you're going to plan to see Halloween Kills this weekend at the box office. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. The Feywild is a land of soft lights and wonder. A place of music. A place of death. A realm of everlasting twilight where deliciously tempered breezes send fat fireflies bobbing through fields and forests. The Witchlight Carnival can get you there. Move quickly if you find it, adventurer, for the eight-year tour is nearly at an end. Something is wrong in the Feywild. A place known as Presphere is under the influence of something else. Restore to right all that has been made wrong. Become the hero you long to be, adventurer. And trust in this. The Witchlight Carnival is so much more than you realize. Welcome to Wizards and Wine, the wild beyond the Witchlight, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Well, so much more to talk about on today's program that's not relating to a slashing or a beheading or things of that nature, but we'll talk about some spooky stuff later on in the program. But first up, I wanted to bring Disney Plus's week in general before we go later on with the other side of Marvel, as far as their movie slate is concerned, all changing up. They actually had a pretty good week. This is probably one of the best weeks that Disney Plus has had in a long time. Star Wars Andor, and also as well as She-Hulk. They've come onto the scene. She-Hulk ends its season with season one after episode nine that just debuted this week. And I will be going into a little bit of a spoilerage, but I'll try to be dancing around a little bit. But it's easy to say when She-Hulk's one of her main things is breaking the fourth wall. Guess what? This episode is all about breaking the fourth wall. It broke the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. I think it went all the way to the 15th wall. But Melinda, I want to hear your thoughts on this. When it comes to She-Hulk, as far as possibly being someone that, you know, this future of the MCU is all about, I'm really excited for it because I think it closed out in a way that I think people can appreciate. It did break the fourth wall quite a bit in the She-Hulk episode nine, but I'll tell you what, it was quite worth it. The inside references to the MCU and Kevin Feige were just tremendous. So I want to hear your thoughts. Do you really like it when she breaks the fourth wall like this? I love a good fourth wall break, to okay. be completely honest. I, I think it's great. I think it's a, it's a little, you know, like a uh, uh, wink and nod to the audience. Uh, okay. A lot of uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I like it. I, 
it doesn't take me out of the movie or out of the show like a lot of people complain about. I enjoy it. It makes me giddy, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for. Well, I, it always makes me laugh. You are going to get a lot of it. When you finish She-Hulk, as far as this last episode of the season, and they're already talking about it in the episode about a season two coming up, so I think that pretty much assures it for another season go-around. It does have a lot of things you expect. It does have a lot of returns you expect, but also adds something new. Should I spoil it for you? Uh, we have, I mean, it's fine, honestly. It's I'm, It's going to be a while before I, I get a chance to really sit down and, and give it the time I okay. think it deserves, so okay. go for it. Okay, so we all know about She-Hulk, and we all know about Hulk in the series, and we all know that he played a role in this. It's becoming more and more obvious that the goal, the end goal of Marvel, is to go ahead and try and recreate a version of its World War Hulk. The reason why I say that is that at the very end, Hulk does come back, and he does have an introduction in place for someone that is with him, or actually was with him, on the planet of Sakaar. And actually, it is his son, Scar. Oh. So, yes, Scar debuts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this last episode. And I warned everybody, spoilers. So, just wanted to let you know. So, it's, it's clear that I think, I don't know when the universal rights come up as far as him being able to front a movie. Or, I, I think it's coming up sooner rather than later in the not-too-distant future. If that's the case, I think they're clearly, clearly centering around themselves that after all these movies right now on the current slate that they're getting done, or it could be something that they plan for Phase 5 or Phase 6, there is going to be a World War Hulk movie on the way. I know they can't announce it yet, but it, it's clear to me that a World War Hulk of some type is on the way for the MCU. This is what I really enjoy about all of these MCU movies and shows and stuff is the the foreshadowing, the forethought, and uh, the the planning that seems to go behind each of these phases that they've released. I mean, you want to take a crash course in, in how to do something like this and approach this kind of content and this volume of content and do it well. My gosh, just look at what Marvel has been doing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and as we continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper into these titles, I think it's going to take more and more work. So if they are working on the World War Hulk stuff, then I think starting it this early, let's say it's going to happen in like phase six. I think this early starting to introduce some of the characters that may be involved in that if they are lesser known is just it's just smart. It's just good business. I think it is. That's what this phase has been all about. I know it's received a lot of criticism this phase, but this phase, phase four has been all about introductions. Yeah. And you hit it right on the head as far as just being able to introduce the audience, whether or not it keeps the majority of the audience that was there for Avengers Endgame. I don't think it has. I, I really hitting those kind of heights is really hard to duplicate because not only did it get the hardcores like me and you and every pop culture fanatic out there, it got the general audience invested. Now, hopefully they've been able to retain a portion of that audience, but it's become clear by the box office results that they've not been able to retain all of that audience. But sure, sure. By, but I mean, you're... 
you're also you're also losing Robert Downey Jr. You're also losing Hemsworth. You're also losing you know the Chris the list Evans. goes yeah you know the the list goes on and on and on and uh, those are the people that we've been watching going through all these trials and tribulations and you just have to catch the right actor in the right role and I'm sure they're going to catch lightning in a bottle again. It's just wow. a matter of timing and the right actor in the right show in the right movie at the right time i think that's all it's going to come down to i'm hoping so because again mm -hmm. this is something that with all these introductions i think a lot of people are just kind of fatigued but it's there is going to be a payoff in phase five and phase six when we get a lot more notable things happening as far as secret wars which we'll talk about here in a little bit we're also talking about what the Fantastic Four, when they finally go ahead and debut officially, officially, I know that Reed Richards in some form or fashion, a.k.a. John Krasinski, already appeared. Mm -hmm. But is he going to actually be the Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four movie? Nobody knows for sure, except for Kevin Feige. I will say, again, as far as going forward, the things with what's going on in Secret Wars, what's going on with you know, all the other movies that are coming up, the X-Men, I know everybody's on pins and needles when the X-Men will become a thing fully and not just hinted around as far as what we see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm hopeful for that pretty soon. But yes, when you go ahead and see episodes like this of a series that has been for me, uh, you know, pretty good and sometimes not so good because there's been some really clunker episodes, but there's also been some decent ones as well. I really want to say that, you know what, it ended on a good note with her fully embracing the She-Hulk character in every conceivable way that should satisfy both the comic book hardcores and the people that casually watch it like you and I. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I know that people were criticizing the, the show the whole way through. And again, uh, you know, I've caught a couple of episodes. I haven't watched all of it yet. But I just think that a lighter, easier to digest, nothing about, you know, the world is not going to end if she decides to, you know, hit the snooze button for another 10 minutes. Like, it's it's nice to just have a break from that kind of frenetic energy and have one that just takes place uh you know from a more light at heart kind of point of view and and i think that this show uh may have been a little bit of the break that we needed uh from all of that kind of stuff i agree and i think that again if you get a chance stick with it melinda stick with it all the way to mm -hmm. the end because the last episode is worth your time it is definitely something that makes a lot of uh, pokes a lot of fun at itself Right. It pokes a lot of fun at Disney and Marvel, and it has a very fun time doing it in a way that I know that Deadpool would do it, but Deadpool would do it in an over-top of the way. This one's done in a more behind-the-scenes type of way, so sure. I think that this was a pretty good way to go ahead and showcase it, and plus also helps solidify her character and her place going forward. I really like what I saw of this last episode. I think it makes up for any of the flaws that it's had over the past eight episodes that it has. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm thrilled to hear it because I've, I've been rooting for this show. <laughs> Not watching it, but I've been rooting for it. No, I'm, and I'm, I'm also happy that, you know, she's uh, going to have, a, I don't want to say bigger role because I don't know that for sure, but uh, I'm glad that she's going to be involved in, uh, you know, more of the Marvel films and, and stuff like that going forward. I, I think that um, she brought a really great 
oh gosh, I, I want to use the word flair, but I don't think flair is the right word. Uh, but she just brought a really cool uh, flair or nuance, maybe is the word I'm looking for, to the She-Hulk character. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, the right character at the right time with the right actor. I think this was definitely right character, right actress. And I'm thrilled to see what she's going to do as she continues to live in the uh, MCU. What are your thoughts out there on the final episode of season one, the season ending episode of She-Hulk? Did you like the fact that she not only broke through the fourth wall, the fifth wall, the 19th wall, the 28th wall, with all of the fun that went on in this last episode with her going off on Marvel on Disney <laughs> on Disney Plus itself. I just love there's a part I will say about Disney Plus where she really breaks the fourth wall to a degree that was just truly unexpected and was truly enjoyable to watch as far as how she interconnects Disney Plus in and of itself. And then of course Kevin Feige, the big joke on Kevin Feige himself. So want to hear your thoughts on that. Please let us know. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com well my friend before we hit the break again in disney plus is one of their best weeks of their existence in my opinion they had what was the best episode of andor that just happened after a lackluster filler episode like you talked about sometimes it's good to have a break i know but a lot of people online have said you know that episode was just like it really wasn't needed but it was there I know it's just a pad, the episode number, because I know they wanted to get to 12 episodes here. But this is the halfway mark. And if that's the case, it was a great way to go ahead and get through the halfway mark because the group, the the rebels that were actually going ahead and stealing the Imperial payroll Mm -hmm. actually were partially successful. I'll just leave it at that. Through the efforts of andor himself obviously he's the one that was able to go ahead and be spearheading a lot of this action it was actually very well thought out very well directed it did have a couple tropes that you could see coming but for the most part again it was really good it incorporated a lot of things as far as the ideals of the empire itself and how it goes ahead and wants to have visions of trampling the entire universe and everyone who lives on these planets, however innocent they may be. The rituals and customs that Star Wars tries to go ahead and create for these shows and this universe is really well thought out. And I love the fact that they go ahead and explore that part of it. I mean, these are races, these are beings that, you know, coming, I just just the way that they go ahead and detail and create this. And that's part of this episode as far as the kind of things that they do, this ritual called the eye that they, that these people, this, the indigenous people that are there go ahead and, and, and view and experience and how the rebel crew use that for cover to try and go ahead and escape with a ton of, of credits in this case, 80 million credits. So I really enjoyed that aspect of how the actual escape took place of course, again, there were some tropes there that you could see coming, as with every heist film that you, that happens. They did borrow some from that. But again, the way it was laid out and the fact that the at the very end, the Empire, you know, after seemingly almost by everyone except for one Empire individual, has ignored these small incidents around the galaxy as being unrelated. 
now they're starting to maybe realize that maybe there's a rebellion forming that they need to be aware of. Yeah, I, I really like this opportunity to see the beginning of the rebellion. I, I think it's it's been an interesting ride at, so far. And, you know, like we've said, this, you know, might not be the most action-packed episode, but my goodness, you can't be action-packed wall-to-wall all the time. Even long well, this one going to take a break. Yeah, but it's just, you know, I, I just know that people have been having a lot of issues with, you know, an, an episode that's not pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just think that, you know, you got to remember that the characters in the show, I mean, they're not living and breathing characters, but to keep any kind of realisticness, realisticness, did I just make a word up? Well, they didn't really do much character building in that episode. That's why I think a lot of people went yeah, no, I'm, trashed on it. Yeah, what I'm all I'm trying to say is not everybody can live in that world of going from one wild thing to the next. Even mm. the the characters in these shows, they even need a break every once in a while. So uh, I think that those episodes, like we've talked about, are ridiculously important. But managing to steal some payroll—that's some pretty great stuff. I'm into yes. that. Um, the payoff was there. I mean, the the were gunfights. There were yeah. uh, there were aerial battles. Uh, you know, th- there was some, a lot of uh, chicanery that went on. Uh, Andor again it was in, right in the middle of it, and it led to some major decisions being made, and also some uh, major events going on that will go ahead and affect the future of the series going forward. Yeah, and I think it's great. I, I think that. Um, you know, I, I happen to know a couple of pretty seriously, I mean, seriously dedicated Star Wars fans, and they have had nothing bad to say about it, really. You ask them about it, and they're like, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what you get out of them. But when they say it's pretty good, like with the lips pursed out like that, mm-hmm. that means that they thoroughly enjoyed it and that they've been having a blast watching it. So that's my interpretation anyway. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Again, this was the best episode of the bunch. It was with what was coming up. It needed to be. And if it wasn't, I think the series would have really suffered as a whole because of it. But after the heist is done, exactly what's going to be happening now with the future of Andor. Please let us know your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, one half down, one half to go on our PCC Multiverse. Well, thanks so much for watching and listening. We truly appreciate it. You get a chance, go ahead and check out the awesome YouTube channels for Wizards and Wine. And also as well, go ahead and do the same for Vampires and Vitae. And if you do, they will truly appreciate it, just like we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, wanted to go ahead and touch on Scorn, the video game. This is a horror-ish type of video game that I think evokes a lot of Dead Space, as we're going to see Dead Space Revival or Dead Space Reboot in the not-too-distant future from EA, which I think in this case is pretty cool. I hear even there's a Dead Space movie that can be on the way pretty soon. So I know that the 
horror, sci-fi, horror-type genre is something that I think it gets explored but doesn't get explored enough. Alien, I think we've talked about that even before the show as far as an RPG. I think that's something that really people need to check out. But Scorn is a video game. I believe it's an Xbox and PC exclusive. I think that's something that a lot of people are interested in. It is a very blood-dripping, blood I don't say gushing, but blood everywhere in this <laughs> video game if you get a chance to check out the trailers. But your thoughts on Scorn and what this might do for individuals out there hungry for an Xbox exclusive. Yeah, absolutely. This, or uh, should I say dying for an Xbox exclusive. <laughs> I think that this is the kind of video game that people will pick up and they will play and they'll keep coming back to it, I think. It's a, the survival, the horror games and you know let's be honest the survival games themselves are pretty fun to play and then when you start to layer in some of the um you know horror elements uh to stuff like that i, I think it just turns it into a really fun game and i'm not going to go buy an xbox to play it trying to convince you to do something no, trying not, to find not, something <laughs> i'm not trying doing to find it. something yeah i didn't think this would do it especially with if, your right. adversity to horror which is again coming from yeah. someone who is you know <laughs> Wizards and Wine, Wild Beyond right. Witchlight, Vampires and Vitae, yeah. but yeah. yes, yeah. I'm trying to get you to go ahead and walk on the wild side with Xbox, but I knew that wasn't going to do it. Someday, you never know, someday, yeah. but there may be an Xbox exclusive that someday touches your heart enough to say, you know what, Robbie, you got to buy me an Xbox after the PlayStation 5, so there you yeah, go. Yeah, right, yeah, after the PlayStation 5, I like that you uh, added that in, thank you. Yeah, you know I'm going to say that. Yeah, but the Scorn, uh, the, everything that I've seen about it, uh, it is one of those games that I would play and I would probably thoroughly enjoy. I, I love a good survival game, and when you start adding in some creepy elements to it, it just makes the, those games uh, a little bit more fun. So I, I think that that's absolutely fantastic. What are your thoughts on Scorn, the video game that's coming to Xbox and PC this weekend, right in the middle of October? It fits right in, doesn't it? Could this be a spiritual successor to Dead Space as far as the kind of like the sci-fi, horror, blood dripping everywhere, scary type of video game ambiance that seems to be fitting for October and horror right there for you? Please let us know your thoughts if you're going to check out Scorn, the video game, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, a couple last items I want to go ahead and hit real quick. Actually, I'll just probably hit one, and that is Marvel movie releases. I know we talked about She-Hulk and the success of how I think that ended for that season. Also as well, Andor and how we, you know, as well as done for Disney Plus. But Marvel on the movie side, when it comes to what they're doing, I mean, again, I don't even know why they wasted their time at D23. They just, just named titles of movies coming and just yeah. not put dates to them, not attach dates because they're being moved around all the time because the fact that blade lost its director, it was actually going to go into production next month, but unfortunately because it lost its director and it needs a whole reworking. I know Mahersha Ali is not exactly thrilled. The rumor has it that it didn't have enough action sequences. He was not thrilled with it. That's what the rumors were saying. I will say, like again, that they the Blade director did walk on that on that film. So while they get everything back in order, it is moved from November 2023 
It's moved to September of 2024. That's a big jump. The untitled Deadpool movie, which, okay, let's just call it Deadpool 3. That was actually going to be in September of 2024. That is now moving to November of 2024. So that's going to be a holiday film. Great to spend your Christmas time with Deadpool coming up in the <laughs> 2024. Fantastic Four, which was going to be piggybacking at the end of 2024. And that was going to be the holiday movie. That actually moves to, get this, Valentine's Day 2025. So Robbie Ross for Valentine's Day in 2025 can take you on a lovely date. See, I'm setting this up for him. It's like he's going to be flat broke after he did. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's going to take you on a lovely date, lovely dinner. Make sure it's the finest restaurant in all of Las Vegas on the Strip. And yeah. then after that, he's going to take you to the IMAX premiere oh, of man. Fantastic Four. How about that? How about that? See, I'm setting you up. Right. He's actually yeah. going to come over and beat me up here after the show. I just want to let <laughs> No, no, no. I've I've been, I've been working on his strongly worded emails. He's getting okay. a lot better at them. <laughs> okay, all caps. Got to do all caps on that one to yeah. get the point across. But Fantastic Four is now coming out on Valentine's Day of 2025. I think that's I think that's actually a good move. And we'll talk about all this in a sec. We'll talk about the Deadpool move and the Fantastic Four move because uh, it's something that relates. We actually talked about it a couple weeks ago. An untitled Marvel movie, we don't know what it is yet. Could it be some of the stuff that we've been talking about, that speculating on? Could it be a Ghost Rider? Could it be something else? That Could it be an X-Men movie? That could also be in a possibility. But that's moving from Valentine's Day 2025 to November. That's another big jump to November of 2025. And most importantly, Avengers Secret Wars... That has been moved from November 2025, because remember, that was going to be the same year as the Kang's Dynasty movie. The other, the, right. the part one, that was going to be on the same year as each other. Now that moves from November 25, November 2025 to May 1st. It's going to have that vaunted first week of May 2026. There's also an idle Marvel movie added onto it that was going to be on that date, but that's been removed entirely from the schedule. So maybe that would be part of phase seven or something like that. That I'm not even sure on that one, but your thoughts on this. And the reason why I touch on it, because you know, the problems with blade have been paramount over the past couple of weeks. We've talked about that, but the Deadpool movie, remember how I was talking about how I didn't think putting it in September was a great idea for a movie that could potentially make a lot of money. I think moving it into a holiday Date is actually, even with all the stuff that's been said and all the stuff that's been changed, I think that you know could be something where, yes, it's a delay, but it's a delay in the best interests of Deadpool and also Fantastic Four, which I think would really do well in February. So I really think that was a good move for just those two movies. Yeah, I agree. And it almost... See, this reshuffling, right? As you were talking, I was just looking at the dates and how they've uh, kind of realigned everything. It's almost like this Blade movie has something in it that they don't want to be seen without these other movies lined up properly behind it. I like, understand. I, you know what I mean? I don't know why you couldn't just flip-flop like one of the unnamed Marvel movies with the Blade movie. It seems like this Blade movie is important to everything that's going to come after that in the Marvel Universe. And that's well, there, interesting. Well, there's, 
Well, that's been, you know, the talk as far as the Midnight Suns, as far mm-hmm. as a horror genre, because Werewolf by Night came out last week. And that has been a pretty solid entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it is a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in some form or fashion. They actually identified at the very beginning of Werewolf by Night. It actually tells you as far as while everything's going on with the Avengers up in here, there's another layer of the universe right below it with, you know, with monsters and all that. So you're right. It could incorporate. And maybe that's part of the reason why Blade is being moved back so far, not only because of the troubles as far as production is concerned and finding a director, but the fact that you need to go ahead and set it up nicely. And they may need and, and this may do the trick as far as being able to set it up and maybe possibly, like you said, because Blade, that could be a key pillar part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward because Mahershala Ali is just a tremendous actor. I would love to see him in that role. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've only, if, we've only heard him. We've only heard him for like five seconds uh, on the back half of the Eternals on that uh, cut scene. Yeah, that's true. But I just randomly the other night saw that Blade was on one of the streaming services. I can't remember which one. So Robbie and I sat down to watch it and it evolved into a discussion about like, the stories that you heard about Blade 3 and like Wesley Snipes refusing to open his eyes during a scene. So they had to like animate his eyes on his eyelids and stuff like that for the movie. Just like, I just feel like there's something about the Blade IP that is difficult and hard for people to work on and work through. So I'm not surprised the film is having some kind of issue, regardless of what that issue actually is. I don't know that we're ever actually going to find that out, but whatever the issue is, I'm not surprised. It just uh, seems like it just happens to be that IP that I don't know if the, the the tension on the set because of, you know, the vampires and all of the the crazy fight scenes and, and all of that stuff that's incorporated in the movie. I, I don't know exactly what that is, but again, I, I'm just, I'm not surprised to hear that there's a problem. And really, I'm hoping that what's going to happen is because of this delay and because of a new director coming in, I'm hoping that it's just means that the, when the movie does finally start to go into production, we're just going to get a better and better and better movie with the more eyes that are on the script and the more minds that are looking at this creative world that Blade exists in. I'm really excited for it. I hope they don't just decide that it's too much and take it off the slate altogether. I hope they don't either, because again, Mahershala Ali is one of the best actors out there in Hollywood. I would love to see him in that role. Mm -hmm. And let's not discount Wesley Snipes not being in the MCU. We've seen already as far as variants are concerned. So by the time Avengers Secret Wars finally comes around in 2026, the first weekend in May, we could be seeing a cameo from Wesley Snipes. We were already set up to see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yes. doing some stuff in the MCU. Yeah. So you never know what may happen there, but I do think it's it's probably the best interest for Deadpool to move to that November date, like I was saying, and also moving Fantastic Four to February, which I think is a really good time if it sticks. Again, I, I should put all this with a caveat. I feel like it's like a boxing card at the very end, bottom. You says card subject to change, date <laughs> subject to change with Marvel because this, you know, in a lot of cases they've already change these movies around from time to time to time already but i'm liking as far as the move for deadpool i hope they stick to it either that you maybe could put it in a may slot and it could still make a lot of money there but i I think the november slot is good 
a good way to go ahead and celebrate the holidays in 2025 with with Deadpool and seeing what is going on there because that'll give a plenty of time for him to go ahead and put something that's going to knock it out of the park. I think they should release it on International Women's Day, to be honest, but that's uh-huh. just. <laughs> there you go. Very well said, indeed. But before we head to the break, my friend, I do want to touch on the, the most important of all these movies, which is the Avengers Secret Wars, which is going to be the second coming of the Avengers Infinity War Endgame type deal as far as the culmination of four, five, and six. Your thoughts on this? I think that moving it to the first weekend of May, it is going to be the biggest movie of 2026. I think, well, maybe, okay, whatever Avatar will come out by that time. Avatar 3, <laughs> 5, 9, 15, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, that has a chance to compete with it. But Avengers Secret Wars, if it's set up right in phase five, and whatever's rest of, of phase six at that point in time, I think that it could be the biggest movie of 2026 when it finally comes out. Yeah, I think so too. Provided that, you know, something wild doesn't happen and we start to see like an unraveling of the MCU, that would be terrible to happen between now and then. Again, I just, I do worry a little bit about, you know, this superhero fatigue, the, you know, that key phrase that you keep hearing about. And, I hope that as we go through some of these IPs that are not perhaps not as well known, that people do decide to to stick with the MCU because I really, really do think that what they have done is incredibly well thought out. It's incredibly well planned, and when they do things like this, which is just like a massive realignment of release dates, they're doing it for good reason. It's not just something that they're like, well, I think if we put this movie here, it's going to make more money, so we're going to rearrange everything. I. Yeah. I feel like there's a there's a sequential and a, a reasoning for it, and there's a method behind it, and I, I'm just always excited to see uh, what Marvel is going to uh, release and give us next. By the way, that Werewolf by Night movie is so good. Absolutely yes. watch it. Absolutely, Absolutely do it. That's what I said on the show last week. I thought that was really, really good. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I thought that was something very beneficial. I thought the two main characters can play a great role in the future of it. I think the uh, the the young lady that's the uh, starlet, she actually had that look of the 1930s yeah. starlets of that era, which is part of the reason I'm sure she got that job, but yeah. she killed it. Uh, you know, obviously the the lead character himself, he, he did a great job. And again, it just seems like it's going to be a fun part of the universe to explore with Marvel. And I think it's just a really great way that they introduced it, not doing a series, not doing anything really big. It's going to be that special presentation that, okay, when they appear on the screen again, there's going to be like, who is that guy? Or who is that lady? I don't know. And then somebody's going to say, you got to go watch Disney plus and watch that special presentation of werewolf by night. Yep. Absolutely. And again, that's just smart. That's just Marvel being smart with their planning and their execution of stuff. They're so clever. I think it's great. Absolutely. Well, it all comes from the mind of Kevin. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the season ending episode of <laughs> She-Hulk, yeah. you'll understand exactly who Kevin is. <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on all the different changes that have been made to the release schedule of all the upcoming, well, not all, but of the upcoming Marvel movies that we mentioned? Blade, Avengers Secret Wars, Fantastic Four, Untitled Marvel Movies, and Deadpool 3. 
What are your thoughts on these changes? Were they for the better, or are you disappointed that they're coming out, in most of these cases, a little bit longer than you wanted to? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, a couple last notes. Ghosts. I did want to touch on this with you. The rise of this show to be now the leading comedy, not only CBS, but one of the biggest comedies in all of broadcast television here in the United States. I know people that are around the world that listen to us on radio stations, especially in the UK, you're more familiar with your version of Ghost, which is the original, which reminds me so much of The Office, which was originally BBC, uh, you know, a show that was found success there and obviously has found huge success here in the States as far as, you know, us, I guess, Americans uh, ripping it off and then whatnot and then going ahead and using it for our own. But we've done it again with Ghost, which has found a great audience in only its second season. Your thoughts on Ghost? Again, it's a show. It's a comedy that's really done well. My household is hooked on this show. Is yours too? Yes. I watched the British version of the show mm-hmm. and, you know, it was one of those things that, that I would end up watching like four or five episodes after Robbie had passed down. He's like, oh, so sleepy. And I'm like, this show is so great. You have, why aren't you awake? Wake up. Well, he's working really, you gotta, gotta give him a break. Okay? He's working really hard for that date yeah. in 2026. Okay. <laughs> so he's working hard right. to save up all the money yeah, for that right. date. Yeah. Then I found Ghosts on Paramount Plus and um, I was watching it. I was like, okay, this is not the same couple that I have been watching. Uh, Then I was like, okay, this makes sense. It's the American take on this British comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. And just the, the hijinks and the weird and bizarre characters that these ghosts are and that all end up in this situation where they're stuck for eternity in this house. I just think it's wonderful. And it's a moment for you to not have to take anything seriously. What are your thoughts out there on ghosts? I think as Melinda said, it's actually a homage, a very good homage to the BBC show that originally had this take. Got to give all credit to the BBC and the British community for helping get this show to where it needed to be. And obviously the parallels between ghosts and the office and how we Americans stole another idea of yours in the UK (laughs) to go ahead for great success, but still be that as it may, both of these shows, the office and ghosts have now produced some fine shows on both sides of the ocean. So if you have thoughts on ghosts, as far as now finding success on CBS, and if you are a diehard, literally, diehard fan of ghosts please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com my friends so much that we talked about on today's show but before we head on out 
It's cha-ching time with Netflix because they finally announced that their upcoming ad-supported tier, what it's priced at here in the States and in several markets around the world, will be around $7.699 for all that you, know, you want to go ahead and say, to be technical. It is $6.99 a month, which undercuts Disney's ad tier price range. Hmm. Right. Funny mm-hmm. how that is. Hmm. Yeah. Intentional? Hmm. The only thing is I'm worried about when you go ahead and commit to this is how reliant Netflix will be on ads in this ad-supported tier. Will it be to dub and then by the, before you can actually finish the to dub they actually go and send you to a commercial? So I want to hear your thoughts on this. It's something where I think that it was needed, especially with the rising cost of everything else out there. People are willing to go back and go to a traditional format of ad-supported television your thoughts on this before we head on out. Remember growing up and you would have that kid in your class and you'd be like, man, they have the real Crayola markers. They must be rich. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So yes. what I think that is evolving into. And is... not just, no, no, not just the three pack either. It's oh, got to yeah, be the no. full eight pack. It's got to be full even... eight pack. Uh, the 24. Are you kidding me? Oh, hello. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's... My gosh, Uh take out a bank loan for that. (laughs) Right. I think that an added benefit to being a wealthy or well-off person in the not-too-distant future is going to be your ability to minimize ads. But what that's going to do and what it has done, I think, already is it's forced radio programming, it's forced television programming, it's forced movies, it's forced all of that stuff to kind of re-examine how they can include ads or product placement in stuff, but do it in a different, interesting way where you don't even realize you're watching a commercial. And I, I think that that's where advertising is right now in, in across the board for all of this stuff is how do you make an entertaining commercial that people aren't going to get annoyed by? How are you going to continue? Because I think character-driven commercials are really, really smart. It gives you like a mini show to watch during the show, you get to a point where you have to accept and understand that you don't get anything for free. And the people who have figured out how to integrate this stuff well, so it doesn't feel like it's a huge interruption in what you're doing are the people who are succeeding and doing it well. So I'm interested to see if Netflix is just going to do the cut in the middle of a line of dialogue and throw to three commercials and then come back right in the middle of that dialogue or if they are going to find some kind of creative way to make it feel less intrusive when you're watching a show. I think that when it comes down to it, Netflix has to understand that, like you said, Netflix needs to come up with a better way of showcasing its ads so that people won't get pissed off that they're watching ads on Netflix. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think that the the real misconception is that you know 30 seconds isn't a lot of time. 30 seconds is an incredible amount of time in the broadcast world. It's so long. Don't you get me started about that, Melinda, because then I start thinking about all the time I've spent watching ads in my entire life. I literally think that would take years off my life. Yeah, but I think that for a streaming service, I think a 30-second commercial should be the exception, not the rule. I think that uh, what you were talking about doing a 15 second ad, you can get a lot in 15 seconds actually with video and audio there. You can tell a pretty good story in 15 seconds. And uh, I, I 
oh, gosh, you know, I just wish that that was the format that they would run with. So you just, you got to the point, you told me what your product does. I can decide if I need it or not. And I don't need you to spend another 15 seconds telling me how much better and how much happier I'm going to be in my life if I have said product. Tell me what it's about and I'll make the decision. You don't have to convince me about it. Catch the pop culture cosmos with Melinda Barkhouse Ross, Josh Peterson, and me, wherever you get your podcasts and our radio stations around the world. Less than 15 seconds. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, and you can add stuff to that. You can add a little bit of music in the front, a little bit of music in the back. You can have a couple of little quick little voice clips in there. And you've got a 15-second commercial that gets to the point. You understand what it's about. And you can decide from that commercial of 15 seconds if you want it or not. It's, well, it's, that's it. Some of our best gags though, take a little bit longer than that. Some of the stuff I actually have sound bites of for our ads are kind of funny, but they, they're longer than 15 seconds. Yeah. Sorry. But sometimes a little creative editing in there and you can take out, you know, a couple of words here, a couple of words there that adds up and you can make it fit. Trust me. Bad Star Trek, good Star Trek, cold pizza. There you go. <laughs> That's all you to need. The ad, if you That's listen all. to that ad, you know what I mean. <laughs> and yes, that was Melinda indeed. But what are your thoughts on Netflix's new announced and upcoming ad-supported tier, which is going to be released on November the 3rd? Please let us know your thoughts. If you are considering the $7 a month option, that's going to give you plenty of ads, but also yeah. plenty of Netflix. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the Naked Gun reboot with Liam Neeson that's now going to be underway, the Gangs of New York series, which has been greenlit, which is going to be overseen by Martin Scorsese, the Sister Act 3 that was announced by Whoopi Goldberg, which is going to emulate, I'm sure, pretty much a lot of what was done in Hocus Pocus 2, which has been a huge success on Disney+. But Melinda, any last thoughts before we head on out? So AMC bought all of the rights to all of the Anne Rice books, including mm -hmm. the Mayfair Witches, and we're getting a series that's going to start in January. Mm -hmm. But we are currently two episodes in with Interview with a Vampire. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch both episodes, potentially the third, before we sit down to talk next Thursday. I will give you my thoughts and opinions. I've made my pilgrimage to New Orleans. I saw the house that Anne Rice lived in which is where the mayfair witches are based in it's kind of a, a big part of their story i walked the streets that she described that louis and lestat were on i did the whole anne rice vampire tour while i was there the anne rice novels mean a lot to me is what i'm trying to say really so i wouldn't I, know i know right it's weird i'm so excited about this series i know some of the changes that they've made i am thrilled i am excited i can't believe it's two episodes in and i haven't watched them yet but my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. That's my homework for the week, Gerald, is to okay. watch that for you. From what you're telling me, it's doing its own thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's taking a pretty sizable chunk of the story and moving it forward to where the setting is. It's actually set in the early 1900s in New Orleans instead of being set in the 1800s, I believe it was. So that's already a dramatic difference. And I think that a lot of Anne Rice fans may be taking it back at first. But I think that the actors that they have in the show are going to win fans over pretty quickly and pretty easily. So I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. 
You know, it's if it's relating into the vampire world, you're on it because you like those blood suckers. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't get to see the blood itself. Yeah, right. As long as they're not too scary. As long as they're pretty vampires, I'm okay. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassworth. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great